name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the Gospels, we have three episodes of our Lord healing a blind man or blind men on the way into or out of Jericho. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 18, our Lord is on his way in to Jericho. There's one man. When the man heard the multitude passing by, he asked, what does this mean? People told him that it was Jesus of Nazareth who was walking by. And so he started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They rebuked him. Um, He cried out all the more. Uh, And then Jesus commanded that the man be brought to him. And then he was cured. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 20, which matches very closely what we're reading in St. Mark these weeks. So last week in St. Mark, we read our Lord teaching them about what it means to be great and to be a servant because James and John had asked to be at our Lord's right and left in the kingdom. That's what precedes this story of Jesus on the way out of Jericho in Mark 10, as we heard today. It also precedes uh, this story of Jesus healing the two men on the way out of Jericho in Matthew 20. Two men sitting by the wayside, they heard that Jesus passed by. They cried out saying, oh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They were rebuked. They only cried out all the more. And then Jesus stood and called them. What do you want me to do? They asked him that their eyes be opened. And having compassion on them, Jesus touched their eyes. They immediately saw and followed him. Now, St. Augustine, Venerable Bede, Origen, comment on these uh, healings of blind men and contend that what's in Luke's gospel is a different event, different healing, different person. St. Matthew and St. Mark may very well be talking about the same event. They're just highlighting different, different details. Matthew recounts that there's two men. St. Mark in one of those unique moments when St. Mark's gospel has a detail unique to him, knows the name and wants us to know the name of the, of the one man who is that much more energetic in, in meeting Christ. The son of Timaeus. Timaeus means to honor. So son of is bar, right? So bar Timaeus is, is this one singular blind man that St. Mark highlights. He heard that it was Jesus and began to cry out. Prior to that, they were begging on the side of the road. He was rebuked, cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, standing still, commanded him to be called. They called the blind man. The first time I saw an entourage, I was a first year in college. I had just landed at O'Hare Airport. I remember it was cold, so 
It wasn't, certainly wasn't the beginning of first quarter because mom and dad uh, dropped me off in that tearful goodbye. It might have been beginning of second quarter. Either way, I'm just landed in O'Hare and I'm making my way to the blue super shuttle bus, right, that's under an overhang so it's not covered in snow already. And I see this crowd of men, might have been 20, leather jackets, strong. Uh, they had that look of, <clears throat> they had no place to go in a hurry, but they were going with great importance. So very casual, but um, they were very aware of themselves. And I saw in the midst of this group of tall men, this short uh, man with the darkest black skin. And I walked up to one of the guys who was on the outer edge of the entourage, and I said, pardon me, is that Pele? And he said, yeah, he is. Do you want to meet him? So I meet Pele. And the only piece of paper I had for him to sign was my student ID. So it's somewhere in some fireproof box, somewhere in some house. The other time I was, the biggest entourage I ever saw was around Mother Teresa. And I was a seminarian. Uh, I'm gauging based on what I remember of my thought process at the time. I was not in my first or second year. It was probably third, maybe fourth year. I don't think it was a deacon, but it might have been thousands of people. There were literally thousands of people. There had just been a mass in uh, a parish in the, still in Rome proper, but not near the historic uh, center district. And Mother Teresa, after attending the Mass, was walking over to the convent where she would visit with her sisters. So the church was packed, but even more packed was the sidewalk and the lawn and the street in between the church and the convent. And it wasn't, you know, it was the distance from, you know, here to your coffee and donuts. And I remember being you know, as close to mother as almost I am to the, to the microphone right there. And I remember thinking to myself, all right, this is your only chance. You're either going to be able to say for the rest of your life that you touched Mother Teresa, or you're going to have to admit for the rest of your life that you could have, but you didn't. Or maybe you're going to have to confess for the rest of your life that you once lunged and grabbed Mother Teresa. <laughs> so... I'm just going to watch. And there was, there, there, was, there was no movement of individual movement of humanity. Just the whole crowd was just simply um, hovering, right? And somehow she managed to get, to get through the crowd. Trying to imagine this multitude of people surrounding Jesus as he's making his way out of Jericho. And instead of saying, yeah, that's Jesus, do you want to meet him? They're saying, that is Jesus of Nazareth. Be quiet. 
it's almost more fascinating to analyze that person whose name, fortunately, has not been recorded. But we can imagine 12 candidates And God bless Bartimaeus. He was, he was ready to go. He already knew all about Jesus, obviously. He already knew that Jesus worked miracles. He already knew that it was proper to call Jesus son of David. He already knew what it meant that expectations were he was going to fulfill the prophecy to be the son of David who would rule forever. Not only does the, the entourage member or members embarrass themselves by saying, be quiet, but they also... Yeah, and, and telling the man finally to take courage, get up. He, he, he didn't need their encouragement. Thank you very much. He already had the Holy Spirit. He was already ready to go. He threw off his jacket and he sprang up. Who, who is this? Who is this weak soul who, who doesn't even recognize someone filled with love? Who, who's this? bizarre follower who's trying to keep people away from the person he's following. And they come in a, in a, in a variety. They come in the, in, the, in the worst variety of those people who represent the church, who believes all, they believe all the teachings of the church, or enough of them, but they don't believe that teaching the faith helps people. They think it only burdens them. Therefore, they actively discourage the teaching of the faith, thinking that by keeping, by keeping people ignorant will help them get to heaven. I didn't make this up. Cardinal Ratzer talked about it in a speech in St. Louis back in the last millennium. Much more dangerous than those who don't believe the faith anymore are those who, who believe it, but think it ought to be kept under wraps. Because they can easily convince you that they are a believer and they are one of you. Whether they wear you know, black or magenta or cardinal red. But in fact, they're trying to undermine the whole process. It's a beautiful speech by Cardinal Ratzinger about that. That's one variety. There's another variety. Uh, and it looks like you and me, where we, we believe in our Lord, but where it takes so much effort to, to believe that we, that we despair of thinking that anybody else who's even further away would, would overcome all the, all the obstacles to want to be part of the church. And so we don't, we don't extend the invitation. Or we, we sort of roll our eyes about how difficult it is to be, to be Christian, to be in the church, to be Catholic. Or how, how 
um, how much of an inconvenience it is to abstain from meat or do some other penance on Fridays or always go to church on Sundays. We're in effect discouraging people from, from meeting Jesus. Bartimaeus was not deterred, fortunately. He, 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 he didn't even need to forgive the people who were interfering with him. He already, he already loves them because he's already filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead of, instead of their being his conduit to Jesus, he's going to be the one who draws them more deeply in love with our Lord. Instead of saying, get out of my way, he's saying, uh, we're really going to follow Jesus now because now I'm with you. When, when we take a moment, a long moment, it's good to be a little quiet after Mass. Uh, don't, there, don't worry, there's plenty of coffee and there are plenty of donuts. They probably won't run out. Usually the leftovers show up back in the sacristy for the altar boys after the noon Mass. They, they never make it to the priest sacristy, but the extra donuts always make it to the altar boys sacristy. Uh, I'm not complaining, though. Take a moment after Mass and think about what is happening. Not just what happened. Jesus Christ is in your midst. He is inside all of the people around you. And if you're able to receive Holy Communion, Jesus Christ at that moment will be inside of you. God himself has succeeded in drawing you to him overcoming all the obstacles that would have kept you quiet and away, helped you overcome all the obstacles of other people who haven't helped you, he has managed to find his way inside of you. Is there anything else we could crave? Is there anything else for which we could really long? Obviously, our, our body and our soul still exist. It's not as though they've become... Uh, Perfected and, and divinized in heaven and therefore are, are resurrected. No, the, the, the soul and the body still have their needs and their weaknesses and their, their hungers, right? The body will still need food and sleep and the soul will still need love and grace. But, is there, but knowing that Jesus is inside of me, that Jesus is amongst us, is there anything beyond that? How can I yearn for anything more than than what God has given me, even though I didn't really even want it. I just knew I was supposed to ask for it. That's Jesus summoning us. He, he knows there's an opening. For some, it's, it's, a, it's a weak Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And others, it's, it's with their full throats, Jesus, have mercy on me. But even that soul is given a gift far beyond his imagining. Jesus Christ, the living God, will live with you and in you. He loves you that much. A 
And so while we either ignore or vanquish those who are, who are impeding souls to Christ, we ask for that spirit of Bartimaeus to be undeterred, to let no one get in our way, to respond to Jesus' call, because this isn't our initiative. This is Jesus putting this desire inside of us. And that it is our Lord who will give us sight and eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.